0: <clears throat> Good evening. Let's open tonight's service with hymn number 49 from the hardback hymnal, number 49, Our Great Savior. We'll just sing the first four verses, just the first four verses. <clears throat> Jesus, what a friend of sinners, Jesus, lover of my soul. Friends may fail me, foes assail me, He, my Savior, makes me whole. Hallelujah, what a Savior, Friend, saving, helping, keeping, loving, He is with me to the end. Jesus, what a strength in weakness, let me hide myself in Him. Tempted, tried, and sometimes failing. He my strength, my victory wins. Hallelujah! What a Savior! Hallelujah! What a friend, saving, helping, keeping, loving. He is with me to the end. Jesus, what sorrow while the billows o'er me roll even when my heart is breaking he my comfort helps my soul hallelujah what a savior hallelujah what a friend saving Jesus, what a guide and keeper While the tempest still is high Storms about me, night or takes me He, my pilot, hears my cry Hallelujah, what a Savior Loving, he is with me to the end. Please be seated.
1: I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. It's said in the Scriptures that the Lord loved the disciples. To the end. He will keep me to the end. It's a good hymn. Good evening. Let's open our Bibles together to Lamentations. Jeremiah Lamentations. Prophet Jeremiah is the is the penman for the Book of Lamentations, and Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet, and he is lamenting the, um, the condition of Israel. And Jeremiah, when he speaks, most often speaks prophetically as the Lord Jesus um, interceding for the church. And so in Lamentations chapter 3, at verse 19, and in the margin of my Bible, the word remembering is written as the word remember. And I think that's a better understanding here. Remember mine afflictions and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. We're going to be looking at several passages of scripture about the importance of remembering. And I wanted to to go here. And the Lord's telling us to remember what he did. Uh, Remember the cross. Remember the sufferings that Christ went through. To save you, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. When we think back on what our Lord has done in order to save us, it's humbling, it uh, it quiets us and uh, humbles us before God. This I recall to my mind, and therefore I have hope. Have I hope? Remembering what the Lord did gives us hope. Hope of salvation, hope of forgiveness, hope of grace, hope of love. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because because his compassions fail not They are new every morning, great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. The Lord Jesus Christ himself is our life and he is our hope and he himself is our salvation. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Let's pray together. Our merciful, gracious, glorious Heavenly Father, What great hope we have in knowing that we can come before thy throne of grace and have full forgiveness, full acceptance, full salvation, full grace in the person of thy dear Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would work effectually in our hearts, that you would cause us to reflect on and to remember and to, and to believe all that you have revealed, all the hope that we have. Lord, we, we thank you for the forgiveness of our sin. We thank you for the, the joy and the privilege of being able to worship together Lord, we, we confess to you that we're completely dependent upon you. If that is to be done, Lord, you have to turn us and, and cause us and open the eyes of our understanding and open our hearts and give us ears to hear. We ask it in Christ's name.
0: Number three in your spiral gospel hymns hymn book. Number three. Let's stand together again. <clears throat> A debtor to mercy alone, of covenant mercy I sing, nor fear with thy righteousness on. My person and offering to bring The terrors of law and of God With me can have nothing to do My Savior's obedience and blood Hide all my transgressions from view The work which his goodness began, the arm of his strength will complete. His promise is yea and amen, and never was forfeited yet. Things future nor things that are now, not all things below nor above, can make him his purpose forego. Or sever my soul from his love My name from the palm of his hands Eternity will not erase Impressed on his heart it remains In marks of indelible grace Yes, I to the end shall endure as sure as the earnest is given, more happy but not more secure, the glorified spirits in heaven. Please be seated.
1: Our text tonight can be found in Second Peter chapter 1. But by way of introduction, if you want to put your finger there and then turn back with me to Philippians chapter three. Philippians chapter three. How oftentimes the Lord tells us to remember, remember how prone we are to to forget and how merciful the Lord is to call us to remember. <clears throat> We're so much like our little children, aren't we? Uh, we have to tell them the same thing over and over again. And, uh, and here in Philippians chapter 3, Paul, in writing to the church at Philippi, says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing to you, to me, indeed, is not grievous. I'm telling you the same thing I told you before, but I'm not grieved by that. And for you, it is safe. Now that word safe is the word certain. In other words, what Paul is saying is, you need to hear the same thing over and over and over again in order to be certain of it, and in order to find your safety. Um, turn to me to our text now, if you will, in Second uh, Peter chapter one, and we'll begin reading in verse twelve. And I want you to notice how many times the word remembrance is used in these few verses verse 12 wherefore I will not neglect Peter said to put you always in remembrance of these things though you know them and be established in the present truth I'm going to remind you of these truths that you might be more certain and more sure and more firm uh, in them Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Much of the preacher's responsibility is is to remind men of things they already know. And he says in verse 14, knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle He's speaking of the body of his flesh, and that word tabernacle is tent, and the Lord's likening our, our fleshly bodies as a tent. Uh, it's just here for a little while. It's going to be folded up one day and put away. And Peter said, as long as I am in this tabernacle, as long as I'm in this tent, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly... I must put off this tabernacle even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. You remember when uh, the Lord was speaking to Peter after the resurrection and uh, he told him, he said, you know, men are going to take you by the hand and lead you to a place you don't want to go. And now Peter realizes uh, that that day is coming soon. <clears throat> verse 14 moreover I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance <laughs> I'm going to just keep telling you the same thing over and over and over again so that you don't forget <clears throat> when uh when the Lord in in uh, Ephesians chapter four, well, let's turn there. Turn with me to Ephesians four. This is very, very encouraging. Verse eleven, and the Lord has given to the church. Some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Now the way I understand that is that that's not two separate offices, that's one office, it's the pastor-teacher. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come into the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So the Lord has given to the church apostles, who he used to pen for us the New Testament, and prophets, who he used to pen the Old Testament, and uh, evangelists, as I understand that office in the church, is a missionary, Uh, men who, like the Apostle Paul, uh, didn't pastor a church, but traveled from place to place preaching the gospel and establishing churches, and then pastor teachers. When when the Lord there at the Sea of Galilee was speaking to Peter, he asked him, he said, lovest thou me? And Peter said, yea, Lord. And the Lord said, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Um, The pastor is the under-shepherd. His responsibility here, Peter is telling us in this letter to the, to, to, uh, the, the believers that are scattered abroad, that his responsibility is to, is to feed them, to teach them. Now we have teachers here and every teacher knows what the first law of teaching is. Uh, the first law of teaching is repetition, isn't it? Repetition, And you know in your own experience that you learn very little by hearing it once. You have to hear it over and over and over and over again. Whatever it is. And the more often you hear it, the more sure it becomes. And, um, and the more certain you are of it. And the less likely you are to forget it. And so... Peter saying, I'm not going to neglect my responsibility. The Lord told me to feed the sheep, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to to teach you. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he said, The things that thou hast heard of me among faithful men, the same commit to men that they might be able to teach others also. So this matter of teaching is carried on from one generation and one man to the next. When the qualifications of the pastor are given in scriptures, there are several times the Lord said he must be apt to teach. The Lord Jesus Christ, in his ministry, the scripture says, went about teaching now the word teaching is the word is the word doctrine. He's, he's, he's conveying to them the truths of the gospel. And um, without that, there can be no there can be no faith. Call upon the Lord and thou shalt be saved, but how should they call upon him in whom they've not heard? Uh, how, and whom they've not believed, and how shall they believe on Him? In whom they've not heard, and how shall they hear, without a preacher? So this is the disciples. The Scripture says went house to house and in the temple, and they ceased not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. And so, with preaching, there must also be there must also be teaching. And the text from which we teach is God's word, isn't it? <clears throat> I've heard it said, and I've and i said it myself, and I, I understand the, the meaning of what men uh, intend when they say it, but it's probably not a good statement to say that You don't come to Christ by doctrine, you come to doctrine by Christ. Um, And I know what men mean by that. Uh, You don't educate a man to believe the gospel. Uh, And yet, there are some basic doctrinal truths that have to be declared before a man can believe anything. How can they call upon him in whom they've not believed? And how can they believe in whom they've not heard? So this matter of, of teaching is essential. Now, some of you, including myself, have substituted Christ for doctrine. And that's what men mean when they say you don't come to Christ by doctrine. In other words, you uh, they're looking at those who have the knowledge of some doctrine but they don't know Christ Um, that kind of knowledge puffeth up turn turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 8 remembering Peter said I'm telling you this Paul said it's not grievous to me to preach to you the same thing over and over again uh, repetition is the first law of learning and, uh, and how needful we are as sinners who are constantly being told otherwise uh, to be reminded of who Christ is and what he's done. Um, you have your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Now as, verse 1, now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge, knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. If, if all I have is the knowledge of some doctrine, and I don't have love for the truth, love for Christ, then I've substituted Christ with doctrine, and that's a, that's a really bad substitute. And uh, it will it will not it will not save um, and if any man think that he knoweth anything he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know <laughs> i love that you know uh, an honest an honest scientist will tell you particularly those who study the the stars will tell you every time they discover the answer to a question. It causes them to ask ten more questions. The answer to one question gives them a a better understanding of how little they know. And isn't that the way it is with the Lord? Uh, When the Lord reveals something of his grace and his glory to us through the teaching of the scriptures... Uh, we rejoice in what he has shown us, but it only shows us the greatness of his glory and it causes us to see how unsearchable he is and how little we really know. How little we really know. So if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing as he ought to know. (coughs) But if any man love God, the same is known of him. There's the. You see, the teaching of Scripture and the teaching of doctrine and the imparting of knowledge is a means to an end. It is not the end in itself. Uh, well, Peter says, I'm going to feed the sheep and I'm going to teach them and I'm going I'm to show them, but. Well what am I doing? I'm I'm pointing them to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not just we're not gonna substitute Christ with some with some teaching. Go back with me to our text. What is what is Peter referring to? When he says, wherefore, verse 12, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. Well, he's referring back to the verses prior to this. We looked at them briefly last Sunday, last Wednesday night, but I just read them. I want to go back and look at them in a little bit more detail, Uh, beginning um, in verse 5. After he speaks of being a partaker of the divine nature, and we know that we don't look within ourselves for some evidence of the divine nature, we have to look to Christ and the fellowship that we have in him and the spirit of God reveals to us his divine nature and how the Lord has imputed his righteousness to us and giving us a good hope in Christ. That's what it means to be partakers of the divine nature. And uh, and then in verse five, he says, and besides this, give it all diligence. Now, I mentioned this many times, and I said this even this past Sunday, I think, that what God requires, God must provide. And yet the means by which He provides what He requires is to show us the impossibility of us producing what He demands. In other words, in other words, God, God tells us what He requires, and if we have any understanding of ourselves, it will cause us to cry out and say, Lord, you're going to have to give me that. You're going to have to make that happen. You're going to have to, you're to, have to cause that to be so. If that's what you require, you're going to have to provide it. <laughs> I, you know, the, the self-righteous will look at this and say, Matter of fact, I remember years ago when I first learned the gospel, a, a free willer bringing out this verse of scripture, this passage of scripture, and saying, yeah, but you've got to add these things. You've got to add these things too, to that where you are. I was talking to him about salvation being of grace. It's all of grace, and it's all of God. And, uh, and he said, yeah, and he went to this passage. He said, yeah, but you have to add to that. Now, we don't add anything to Christ. Christ is all. He's all. He's all in the scriptures. He's all in our salvation. He's all in our sanctification. He's all in our redemption. <laughs> he's all and he's in all. And we don't add anything to him. And so when the Lord in his word. He said I'm not going to be negligent. Peter's talking to the. Peter's about my age now. He's coming to the end of his life. and uh, And he's. And he's saying, you know, I, I, I meant he's he's in Babylon, he's writing to the churches. This is the last letter. He said, you know, I'm about to I'm about to give up on this, you know, this tabernacle is about to be taken away, but I don't want to be negligent to the very end of my life to put you in remembrance of these things. This is so important. This is the This is this is our our this is my duty, I know. Uh, and it's our need. And to me, it's not grievous. And to you and to me, it is safe. <laughs> it makes what we already know. Peter said, you already know these things. You know them. You don't have to be told them as if you, as if you never knew them, but you have to be reminded of them. You have to be reminded of them. What if a woman would ask her husband, honey, we've been married 20 years and you've never told me you love me. Well, I told you when we got married that I loved you. <laughs> how, how would that go over? It wouldn't go over very well, would it? Well, what about a mother saying to a child, yeah, I, I told you to do something, and, but you know they, they, how many times to they have to be, have to be told? And you and I are the same way, aren't we? We're the same way. And I'm so thankful. You know, we're not not looking for some new trinket of truth or some diamond that's going to unlock the mystery of everything. No, that's Christ. That's Christ. And all these things are found in him. And this has something to do with being partakers of the divine nature. Because God has given to us the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 says, if you have not the Spirit of God, you're none of His. And this is the work of the Spirit of God working in us, causing us to will and to do of His good pleasure. But the means by which He works that work of grace is by reminding us what we need to be what we need to be and we diligently seek him as we read in lamentations jeremiah said you know, we we we're seeking him seeking his help and his grace and his mercy lord i don't have these things in myself this is what peter's referring back to look at look at verse five and beside this giving all diligence There's a, there's a diligence to faith, isn't there? There is. And that's God's work of grace. You, we, we can't just go off on our own. We can't just forget God. We can't just live like we want. The Spirit of God is, it, it won't, He won't let that happen. And so He says, giving all diligence, add to your faith. It's trust that you have in Christ. You know, I've, I've thought a lot about this lately. I'm thinking about trying to write an article on it. But over the, I, mean, I, I read, you, you've read controversies that have taken place among believers in the church. Um, it was in the church of Corinth. Paul had to rebuke the church of Corinth because um, some were saying, Well, I'm of, I'm of Cephas, or I'm of Apollos, or I'm of Paul. And, and the real spiritual one said, Well, I'm of Christ. And what did Paul say? What did Paul, inspired by the Holy Ghost, say in response to those schisms and divisions that were taking place in the church? He said this He said, Is Christ divided? Is Christ divided? Is Christ not all, and is Christ not in all? And do we agree together, whatever your differences might be? Otherwise, do we agree together? Because I mean, I I read something about a preacher. I I've, I've read him, and I like what I read. And I read, and there was two different preachers. This was back in the in the early 1900s in Kentucky, and. And I didn't know it, but one of them had joined the other's church. And he was there for a year. And then, he, and then he accused him of not being a believer and left the church. And this is a man that's written a lot of books. Um, and, uh, and I thought, you know, both these men were believers. They both believed that Christ was all and in all. And brethren, that is the test. That's the litmus test. Do you believe that Lord Jesus Christ is everything in your salvation? Do you believe He's in all parts of your salvation? Do you believe He's all in the Scriptures? Do you believe He's He's everything? He's the message of the Scripture. He's the He's the author and the subject of the Word of God. Do you believe that? Do you believe Christ is all. Let's Christ is not divided. Let's don't Let's don't divide ourselves over things that 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 are not important. So that's what, that's what Peter's referring to when he says add to your faith. Faith is, faith is that confession that the Lord Jesus Christ is all in my salvation. He's all in. he's in all. He's in, he's in all of creation. He's in all of providence. He's in all of salvation. He gets all the glory. <laughs> uh, he's controlling everything. He, he's holding it all together. And he's going to be the, 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 the glory of glory in heaven. He's going to be, we're going to see him in the fullness of his splendor. He's all. That's what faith believes. So add to your faith what? Virtue. Moral goodness. Purity. Modesty. I want to be that way. Don't you? Lord, Make me that way. Lord, don't let me don't let me shame your name by, by being immodest or immoral. Give me virtue. Knowledge. Well, we just talked about knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up. First Corinthians 8:1. We see that in ourselves and we see that in the world, don't we? How exalted men make themselves because knowledge is power. <laughs> I've got some knowledge over someone else. And oh, uh, here's the knowledge that the Lord's talking about This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. That's the knowledge of God, to know him. As I said, every time the Lord reveals something of himself, he just gets bigger. (laughs) He gets bigger. Well, we know he's infinite. We know that he's beyond finding out. But who can ever, what believer who has the knowledge of God, who has any knowledge of God? And again, I refer to that verse we've already read. If a man thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing as he ought to know. We don't know anything like we ought to know it. But the little glimmers of truth and glory that God reveals to us, how can can the knowledge of that puff us up? (laughs) Because that knowledge just makes him more glorious. It makes him bigger, and the bigger he gets, the littler we get. Isn't that true? If, if, if If the knowledge of God doesn't humble a man, then we don't have the knowledge of God. We might have the knowledge of something else we might think we know something that we don't know but if what we if what we think we know doesn't lead us to know him then we don't know as we ought to know and if it causes us to know him it'll cause us to see ourselves won't it and we'll say with John the Baptist oh he must increase i must decrease The bigger he gets, the littler I get. That's the way it works, isn't it? That's the way the knowledge of God works. The way up is down. No, there can't be any pride in that. Lord, I I want to know you. And I want virtue and modesty and purity and temperance. Look at, look, at, look at the next one. Here's what he's saying. You know these things because God has made you to want to be this way. And, and I'm just reminding you of them. And I'm going to keep reminding you of them until I die so that after I'm gone, you'll remember. <laughs> Isn't that what he said? Verse 6, and to knowledge temperance. Temperance. The first time temperance is mentioned in the Bible. It's mentioned in Galatians chapter 5 as one of the fruits of the Spirit. And that's important to remember in all of these things. These are the fruits of the Spirit. And the fruits of the Spirit are contrasted to the works of the flesh. So, whatever... Whatever we work is a work of the flesh. Whatever uh, there is of virtue and temperance and knowledge and goodness, that's that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And so temperance is mentioned as the fruit of the Holy Spirit. There's only three times this word's used. The first time it's used is in Acts chapter 24 when... Felix, the Roman governor who had taken his brother's wife and was living a a life of excess. And he was interested. He wanted to talk to Paul and Paul talked to him. And, And Paul spoke to him, the scripture says, and reasoned with him of temperance and judgment temperance and judgment and the scripture says that felix trembled he trembled he knew he was an intemperate man and he knew that the judgment was coming lord we we want to be we want to be temperate we want to we want to be measured in what we do we don't want to live our lives in excess of pleasure like Felix did. Lord, make these make these things so. Patience. <laughs> Endurance. Oh some of us lose our patience easier than others. That's a matter of personality sometimes, maybe it's a matter of temperance. He's talking about you know and when you do, you know that it's, oh Lord, help me. I don't want to be that way. I won't be that way. But here he's talking about patiently waiting and enduring until the end. <laughs> Lord, I want to I want to believe and endure to the very end. I don't want to give up. I want to be able to say with the Apostle Paul, I have finished my course. I've kept the faith. I've run the race. I'm ready to be offered up. And I know there's waiting for me a crown of righteousness. And not for me only. But for all those who endure. All those who complete the race. I've told you all this story before but it's been a while 27 years ago Trisha and I took our 25th anniversary went to, to uh, Hawaii and uh, we didn't know it at the time but we our, the, the ship we were on came to Kona the day after the Ironman marathon um, The finish line was up, you know, the big, big, big thing. Uh, Paper cups everywhere. Media was gone. It was the morning after. We get off the ship. We were in the car, and we're going to tour Kona. And I noticed I didn't know what it was at the time. I wouldn't, you know, I saw this big finish line, and no one around. So we just decided to head down the road and get mile or so down the road, and there's this guy. He's got numbers painted on his thigh. And he's barely getting one foot in front of the other. He's got a mile left to run. He's already swam a mile and biked however many hundred and something miles. And now he's at the end of his 27-mile marathon. It's the next day. The media has gone. <laughs> there's, no, there's nobody around. If I, knew what I, if I knew then what I know now, I would have got out of the car and I would have run with that guy, that last mile, and I would have cheered him on all the way. I would have said, man, keep it up. You're going to get it. You're, uh, we, I just saw the finish line. I know where it's at. You're almost there. Let's go. We can do it. That's what, that, that's what patient endurance is here. Sometimes, you know, we just there's no there's no glory for men. <laughs> this guy wasn't gonna win the race. That, that's already been done. But he was gonna finish the race. He's gonna finish it. Oh, Lord, give us that kind of endurance. Enable us to finish. Patience. And add to your patience godliness. Well, what is godliness? Well, the Lord tells us, without controversy, this is... The mystery of godliness, that Christ was manifested in the flesh. And then another place he says, men mistake gain for godliness. Men think that if they if they are making progress and they're producing something and they've, you know, they they see these things in their lives, that that gain is godliness. No. The Lord says godliness with contentment is great gain. So the mystery of godliness is Christ. He is godliness. He's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And we're content with him. We're content with him. Lord, give me the give me the grace to just look to Christ and rest in Christ and believe on Christ and be content with Christ. Because He is my godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness. Oh Lord, I wanna, I wanna love my brethren. I wanna be kind to them. You know the word here is the word Philadelphia. It's exactly the word it's spelled it's Philadelphia. City of brotherly love. You're not gonna find much of it up there. But by God's grace, by God's grace, might we add. To our faith. Brotherly kindness. Love for the brethren. Concern for the brethren. Grace for the brethren. Patience with the brethren. Forgiveness toward the brethren. And to brotherly kindness. Charity. That's everything, isn't it? You see, that's the meat of the gospel. That's where it all leads. It all leads to... Love, loving Christ, loving his church, loving his people, loving his word. And these are the these are the vital signs of the gospel. And uh, as I mentioned last week, we don't we don't check our vital signs and and uh, glory in our vital signs. Uh, but if our vital signs are not where they ought to be, we're going to feel it, aren't we? We're going to be sick. And if these things are there, it's because the Lord put them there. And he'll get all the glory for them. and uh, And his means by which he puts these things in the hearts of his children is his, is his admonition to be diligent in pursuing these things. Um, but if they're not there, there's an, it's an indication that something's wrong. Something's wrong. Verse 9, he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Verse 11. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly unto the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Ah, remember the Lord warned the disciples about the, um, the leaven of the Pharisees. He was talking about the bad doctrine of the works gospel. That's what he was talking about. And, uh, and the disciples thought that he was rebuking them because they didn't bring enough bread. <laughs> and he said, I'm not talking about physical bread. And then he says to them, he said, don't you remember the 5,000 and the five loaves and don't you remember the 3,000 and the seven loaves and he reminds them of the things that he has done to provide for them and that they need not worry about where their physical bread is going to come from labor not for that meat that perishes it, but the meat that leads to everlasting life that's what we labor for labor to know him labor to follow him Labor to seek him. All said all oh, that I might know him. That's my that's my goal in life is to know him. We're like those disciples. We see these glorious demonstrations of God's grace and glory, feeding. The Lord's provided for us all the all the way. You know, we'll stop now. (laughs) And the Lord said, don't you remember? Don't you remember? Oh, yes, Lord, I remember. I remember. Thank you. I needed to be reminded of that. Remind me again, because I'm sure I'm going to forget. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Make it effectual to our hearts. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.
0: 336.
1: 336. Let's stand together.
0: Either one, um, whichever one you'd prefer. I think there's another one, but I have the digital hymn code. I don't have the hymn number. That's fine. Oh, for a closer walk with God, A calm and heavenly frame A light to shine Upon the road That leads me to the land Return, O holy dove Return, sweet messenger Of rest I hate the sins that made thee born and drove thee from my breast. The dearest idol I have known, whate'er that idol be? Help me to tell So shall my walk be close with God, calm and serene, my friend. So, purer light shall mark the road that leads me to.